Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Good morning and welcome to Lighthouse Community. My name is Fritz Bilo. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, really glad that every one of you are here with us today. And um, it's going to be a really good morning. Now, uh, we are engaging in a conversation today. Now, if, you're, if your family is similar to mine, uh, there seems to be a general rule, like a a holiday rule that when you're gathering with family, the two topics you stay away from are politics and religion. And so we're here in the holidays with our family and we're going to talk about politics and religion, right? Like we're just going to go right in. Uh, So yeah, this is going to be awesome, (laughs) right? Okay. Well, so one of the reasons that we wanted to do this is um, in America, right? We've got people who are joining online who don't live in America, but in America, uh, 2024 is a presidential election year. And so these are times when like political fever pitch gets really, really high. Um, you know, people are thinking about stuff like that. Uh, crazy. On top of that, not only does it seem to be that our country is very divided when we think about things politically, uh, for many who are here this morning or maybe who are joining us online, uh, you're actually really, really frustrated with our political system. Um, And you're not really sure what to do with that or what to do about that. Um, Others of you, you've just kind of thrown your hands up and you're like, I just, I give up. There's nothing I can do. There's no way that I can really be a part of this. And so you just kind of step to the side, uh, right, uh, in that whole thing. And so just to be transparent with you this morning, right, my confession is like, I feel frustrated too. If, if you're in that camp and you feel frustrated, I'm right there with you. Our frustrations, though, might be a little bit different from one another. Um, and so I want to describe what my frustrations are. One of my frustrations is that it seems that we may be having too many Christians who are passionately fighting political battles, but remain on the sidelines when it comes to helping spiritually dead people encounter who Jesus is. Um, That frustrates me. Uh, It frustrates me when people will hijack people in the church for their own political purposes or their own religious purposes. That frustrates me. It frustrates me that there are some people in the church who are discipled more by their favorite political figure or their news branch that they like to watch than they are discipled by Jesus. Um, That is very frustrating to me. And so I'm sure you have frustrations uh, that you think about when you're facing the political scene. Um, These are some of the ones that I think through and that I wrestle through as a pastor of our church. And then you you actually have a whole nother group that is so far into the political scene and battle, you you don't see anything outside of that filter. Everything is just driven through that and, and flavored in that direction. And so today, what I want to do is I want to show you from the Bible how to approach politics as a Christian, right, from a biblical perspective, and then uh, I want to share one step that I think we can all take 
today. So what we're doing this morning, you can tell it's a little bit different than what we normally do. Uh, what I've done is I've invited a couple of our leaders uh, here from Lighthouse Community to help us uh, work through this discussion and pull the pin on this grenade and toss it. Uh, and so uh, if you would, I've, uh, I've invited uh, Larry Sewell, who's one of our elders, and then also Pastor Matt Smith. You've seen him already this morning. They're going to come up. While they're coming up, I wonder, would you guys welcome them guys up uh, to the platform this morning? Yes, yes, all right. I thought for sure one of you or both of you were going to bail. <laughs> yeah. hmm. It's not too late. <laughs> There's still time. There's I know where the door time. is. This yeah. furniture looks like 1960. Where do you get this? Yes. Yeah. Of that era. <laughs> all right, all right, big question everybody's wondering. Are you going to stay up and see the ball drop tonight? Yeah. No, no, there's yeah. not a chance. <laughs> there is no chance. If I'm awake after 9.30, I'll be shocked, okay? <laughs> all right. So, all right. Hey, before we, uh, before we do pull a pin on this grenade, let's take a moment and, uh, and pray together. Lord, we, um, we're like coming into this topic and this season for us as a country and a nation um, where we start thinking about things really differently. Um, and for some of us, we start digging our heels in, um, maybe in ways we wouldn't in other times. Uh, we start creating dividing lines where in other times we wouldn't do that. Um, we start feeling increasingly frustrated. We're wary of the ads or whatever is going to show up on our news feed or radio or television or whatever. Um, and I'm just wondering, Lord, would you grant us the ability to think really, really clearly about you in relationship to this whole thing. And so, uh, Holy Spirit, you are very, very welcome. Uh, more, probably, not probably, you are more welcome than anyone else in this room. We're asking you to lead us into truth. We're asking you to lead us even to places of repentance um, and places to be able to trust you in new and fresh ways that maybe we haven't before. And so, we love you, we trust you, and we ask these things in the great name of Jesus. And everyone said... Amen. Okay, so just real quick, here's, here's what this morning is not. This morning is not a voting guide for Christians or the church. Um, this morning is not the opportunity to rail uh, against one political platform while we prop up another. Um, today, our opportunity is really to right, look at politics from a biblical perspective and approach, and how do we do that, and what does that look like? And so as we were talking and we're developing it, and by the way, we've had a whole team that was speaking into this thing on the front end, so just know that it's not only uh, the thoughts of the three of us, um, but we're really looking at what Scripture has to say. When we started going, okay, how, how would the Bible invite us to think about politics um, in a very clear Christian uh, way and approach? And where we started was this. We thought it really started with the truth that God is sovereign, that that's really the starting place, that God is sovereign. Now, that might be a new term for some of you. And so the word sovereign, just simply, and when we're talking about God, is that God has the power and the authority to accomplish his desires. That's, that's God's sovereignty, that he has the power and the authority to accomplish his desires. And by the way, no one can stop them. Nobody can slow them. Nobody can speed them up. God always does everything he desires to do exactly when he desires to do it. You can't slow him down. I can't speed him up. No one can stop him, right? He always accomplishes. That's God's sovereignty. Now, 
We won't really have passages on the screen this morning, so for some of you note-takers, you'll just have to really listen or catch this later online. Uh, We're going to look at a couple passages that talk about God's general sovereignty. So the first one I would draw your attention to is Job chapter 42, verse 2. And this is Job, right? If you you don't know his story, I would encourage you to go and find out. But he had some very significant life events take place. And in the whole time of him processing this and working through it, he says this to God, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. That's God's sovereignty in one sentence. I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. Psalm 24 verse 1 says this, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And so what that really speaks to is God's authority, right? It's, it's, he's created everything. You belong to him. I belong to him. Everything in all of creation belongs to God. And so that's pointing to God's general sovereignty. But when you look in the Bible, you actually see that God has sovereignty over specific events and even leaders that he places. Um, I want you to think about this, that in Romans chapter 13, verse 1, the apostle Paul wrote this. He said, let everyone be subject to governing authorities. Some of you guys are going crossing that one out, right? Not listening to that Bible verse. Um, but it says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. That is really clear language, okay? And, and I know, right? Well, in some of your brains are, are working really fast. And so I want to read, let me just two more verses and we're going to jump into a quick conversation here. Genesis chapter 45 verse 8 says this. This is uh, this Joseph. Um, if you know the, the account of Joseph, a um, whole amazing story there. He's basically sold into slavery by his brothers. Long story short, he is now second in command over Egypt only you know, second to Pharaoh alone. And Pharaoh says, you just run everything because you clearly have God's favor on you. With Joseph, he said this to his brothers when he reveals like the guys who sold him. He goes, you know, I'm your brother. He said, so it was God who sent me here, not you. And he's the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. And so Joseph knows that his place of authority, that was even God doing that. And then finally, John chapter 19, verses 9 and 10. This is Jesus and Pontius Pilate having a conversation right before his uh, crucifixion. And Pontius Pilate said this, Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Listen to Jesus' answer. You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Mm-hmm. You see? So even, even, like even in these governing realms, these political realms, it is, it's clearly the Bible is saying God is in control. Everything is happening by his authority and by his power. And so I think that's the starting place when we're talking about how do we approach politics is the fact that God is sovereign. But that's not where we end, right? We start there and it continues from there. Matt, you got some thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I think uh, one of the things to think about, because we, we understand that's who God is, right? And so in understanding who God is, I think there's the next step is understanding who we are, right? And sometimes to understand who we are, uh, it starts with understanding who we're not. Uh, so God's sovereign. We're not actually sovereign. Uh, we are not. We're actually created. And, and who we are is we were created to be dependent on God. Uh, you know, but 
what people do is we often try and be independent. You know, we're, we're people who have, who have all lived in independence from God. Uh, we're all people who need a Savior, and without Jesus, we're actually, what we are is we're lost, we're confused, and, and we're trying to create our own identity without Him. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, and so, so Romans, Romans 3 would say it like this. It would say uh, that no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. That's pretty, I mean, that's, that's saying all of us are by nature and by action opposed to God. Um, but uh, it was God's good plan, our sovereign God's plan to save us. And, and so if you read a little further on in Romans 3, it says it like this. It says, uh, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. So to understanding who we are, I mean, because of that, when we, this, this is like the absolute most unfair exchange that has ever happened. This is uh, our sin for his goodness, our bad works for his good works. You know, he took everything that we deserve so that we could have what only he deserved, right? And so that is overwhelming. That's, that is the grace of God. So in, in knowing that, we know that we're saved. You know, we're, when we were completely opposed to him, he substituted himself for us. We're loved. You know, the fact that God did this is a, is a holy a work of his grace. So he views us as righteous. He views us as holy, uh, and we're new creations in him. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21 is a great place to go, and I would encourage you to check that out this week. Uh, but new creations actually think differently. You know, we, we don't, because of what Christ did, because of him substituting him for us, uh, we don't think the same way we used to think. You know, I, I can't any longer think of myself as better than somebody else. Uh, instead, the gospel invites me to see other people the same as me. And that's somebody who needs Jesus, right? Uh, so it's, it's the gospel that informs how we think, informs how we act, and it's the thing. The, the good news of it is that it's not just the thing that saves us, it's the thing that transforms our lives. Right. You, you said something there in the beginning, I think it's worth maybe cracking open, because you, you said it and you kind of moved on. Um, that point that we start with God's sovereign, and then you said, and we're not, yeah, right? But isn't that the transition away from our lives without Christ, is we think we're sovereign, right? I'm in charge, I'm powerful, I can create my will and do what I want to do, and yet there's a transition that happens when we come to faith in Christ to go, oh, I, that was a game, right? yeah. <laughs> that wasn't real, and doesn't that really play its way over into politics in well, some yeah. regards? Because I think to know who we are and to know who God is, is, is to actually recognize our need. Right. Uh, to recognize our problem and God's solution for it. It's mm -hmm. good. It's pretty simple. When we say uh, we're saying yes to Jesus, this is what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. We're talking about moving from a, a position where we're at the center of our lives and we're, we're giving room for God to be in control of our lives. So that whole idea of God being sovereign, we're not, we're dependent on him uh, through Jesus Christ forevermore. That never stops, it never goes away. That really begins to play over into who we are, both as individuals and 
and as a community. Mm -hmm. Is that a fair way to talk about that, Larry? I know you've sure. got some thoughts in that regard. Yeah, it, it leads to me, in my mind, it leads to mission. If, if in fact, all of this is true, and it is, uh, where does that leave us as Christians? And I, I think of a couple things. The first thought is uh, this whole idea of moving our reference point from ourselves uh, to God. And an Old Testament passage, maybe a well-known passage that, that kind of reaches to me is this, is from First Chronicles. And it says this, So nations of the world... Recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. Give the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering. Come into his presence and worship the Lord in all of his holy splendor. Uh, the author is talking about recognizing God for who he is. He's talking about engaging God, not standing to the side, but engaging God. And it's talking about worship. Uh, just a natural response to understanding uh, who God is. And that's kind of a starting point, I think, when we think about uh, the mission of our lives and our purpose and what are we here for and all those kind of big picture questions. Well, it all starts with understanding uh, who God is first and our relationship to him, changing the reference point of our lives. Can you clear, just, you, I feel like you said something, and I'm not sure that we all <laughs> were there when you said that. It seems like what you just said, and clarify if I'm about to mess this up, is that we are shifting from God helping me to accomplish the things that I want to do to I'm actually putting myself under his, his sovereignty, his leadership, his authority to help, to serve him in whatever he wants to do. Yeah, this, sometimes we say things like, uh, we're not looking for a better uh, version of me, but mm -hmm. instead we're looking for a version of me that's aligned with God. You know, seeking his will and seeking what he wants us to do. It's a, it's a different kind of position. You know, a religion is all about me working hard to do these things. Whereas what we're talking about is saying yes to Jesus and, and using the gifts he's given us, using uh, the influence of Scripture, a transformed heart to change how we do virtually everything in our lives. Mm -hmm. It's a different uh, position. It's uh, changing the reference point of our lives. Our natural set point is what we think about and what we want to do. Right. And we're talking about something completely different, changing our reference point to uh, who God is and his will uh, for us. You know, as I think about that, um, this idea of changing the reference point, uh, I think about the character and the heart of God. What is it that's the most important to God, the most important things to God? What does he think about? What does he care about? And my mind goes to a New Testament passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And uh, the Apostle Paul is writing this, and he's a, he's a guy that really understood the sovereignty of God, mm. you know, and the plan of God. And he writes this, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. When we speak uh, for Christ, we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for sin so that people could be made right with God through Christ. That's right. What Paul is saying is that we are the spokespersons for God. I've kind of looked at that passage a little bit. You move into chapter 6, and it actually talks about us being in partnership with God for the gospel. That's what we're talking about here. We're partners with God uh, for the gospel in a very dark world where people desperately need hope. People are you know, latching on to all kinds of things trying to find hope, and the hope comes from our relationship with God. It's interesting, if you go to the chapter just before chapter 5, the verses I read, uh, you read that the light of God, the one who created light in the first place, but the light of God exists within the lives of Christians. 
Okay, it talks about us being pots. And I think of cracked pots, right? Uh, yeah. uh, but you know, our lives have, we have defects, we have cracks, but the light that is in us is the light from God. And that's the light that shows. That's the light of evangelism that, that displays God. We're, we're partners with God in sharing God's light with people in a dark world. And that's the centerpiece of mission. Of mission. But you know, I think about, um, you know, all people are created in the image of God. And when you add to that, that the Christian uh, is a child of God. A Christian has the Holy Spirit. A Christian has the very light of God in them. And that we are ambassadors for Christ, sharing truth in a dark world. You know, that changes uh, the whole picture of what our mission in this world, our purpose in this world is all about. You know, worship is seeing God clearly. You know, you see God clearly, it changes you, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Worship isn't something you have to you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and get, get to worshiping. No, worship happens when we, we see God in clarity. And, you know, when we see God in clarity, um, it leads us to mission. You know, we have something that the world needs. I mean, the greatest need of any person is to know God, you know, to have a relationship with God, to be, be reconciled and forgiven of their sin. And God calls us his ambassadors. He puts his light in us. And we're the ones that share, in partnership with God, the gospel with people who are far away from him. That's the purpose of, uh, of the, the Christian's life, to know God and to make him known. Probably the most important thing in life we can ever do is to help people who are far away from God uh, come to relationship to God. That's the most important thing we can do. That's the most loving thing we can do to family, friends, neighbors, uh, people up on County Road 99. Uh, to share the gospel and truth. Yeah, you said something there that I think I, I think is it really made me think. And, and you said, "What is important to God?" Um, and and what's important to God? I, I <laughs> the fact that we actually have the opportunity to to love and and care for others that that seems really important to God. Um, you know, Scripture points to points to that. Like uh, Jesus says it in Matthew twenty two. Uh, you know, the Pharisees ask him, and he says. Uh, uh, he says, what's, what's the greatest commandment? He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And, and this is the first and, great and greatest commandment. The second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law, all the demands of the prophet are based on these two commands. So the, Jesus makes it very clear, that's important to him. But perhaps, you know, he even gives more context in John 13 when he says it like this. He says this to his disciples. He says, he says love each other just as I have loved you. You know, you should love each other for your love for one another will prove that you are my disciples. So like that leads me to the question, like, how do you, how do we love, uh, how do we love God and how do we love our neighbor? Like, I mean, like the, cause the, where the rubber hits the road here, like the application of this, you know, living out mission, uh, understanding God's sovereignty here, knowing the gospel, like I think the real answer to how do I love God and how do I love others is uh, uh, be, be transformed. You know, let God transform you through the gospel. Let it, let it fill your heart and, and, and like get so far deep down in you that it, it can't help but come out. You know, like I think that's the greatest impact that we can actually have on the world is actually being transformed by the gospel. Um, you know, it's really easy to love people who, who think like you and, and who act like you and look like you and vote like you. Uh, but uh, the, the, 
I mean, the world does that. <laughs> the world does that really well. It's super easy. Uh, but to love people who are as different and as far away from God as you can imagine, that kind of love, that's what Jesus is talking about and how I, how I loved you. He says that kind of, that kind of love, though, is only possible uh, as our lives are transformed by God. You know, by his grace, you know, G- Jesus says, love them as I have loved you. And I, I think about the group of people who might have been hearing that and, uh, and the way that Christ loved people. You know, this is, uh, it, it's not just, uh, this, this is actually, it wasn't like, hey, if everybody just starts doing the right thing, everything will be right with the world. No, this is uh, love one another and allow God to transform you. So I, I think that's like one of those key pieces of of application there is being transformed by God's grace. You know, it, your, your life can't continue to stay the same when you know the truth of the gospel. So like uh, uh, recently, um, like <laughs> this made me think, I invited somebody uh, to join us here at Lighthouse who is probably as far uh, away on the uh, it, political spectrum or way of thinking than I am. You know, like they're, they're very, very confused about their identity. They got all kinds of things going on in their life. And I invited them to, to come join us here. And I said, um, I think if you come visit us, uh, you, you might find a lot of people who really love you and care about you. <laughs> and, and I meant that. And then walking away from that conversation, there was this part in the back of my mind that, that, that wondered, would they? Because they're really different. Really, really different. So, like, God reminded me of, of a, um, a moment in my life that was like that because I used to be really, really uh, outspoken and, like, uh, um, I, was, I was that person who was like, I want to put on social media, like, I believe in this and this is what I stand up for and here's all my political things. And, uh, and I had this, this cousin who would uh, argue with me on every point. And he was just, if I was as far right as you could go, he was as far left as you could go, right? And so, um, would argue with me. And so it was to the point where I was at the, that moment where I was like, man, I just can't, I just can't, I can't listen to this anymore. I need to just like, you know, what's, what's the thing you do on, on Facebook? You, you unfriend somebody. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and God was like, at that point in my life, God was really opening my eyes to the gospel. And what I realized was I was the obstacle. Mm. You know, I was the thing that stood in the way of him experiencing the love of Christ. And so when you say, what's important to God? Um, my cousin was important to God. Yeah. And so the, as God changed me, and as God continued to, as the gospel got down in my heart, um, boy, I softened a lot on a lot of those things because, and, and it's not like I started to say, well, what's wrong is right and what's right is wrong. But I saw the, so God gave me a perspective, a changed perspective through an identity that I got through the gospel that, that saw him the way that Christ, uh, I saw other people the same way Christ was starting, would, saw me, right? As somebody who was a sheep without a shepherd, who was lost. And so like, I think that change of perspective is like a really, really key piece of application uh, when you think about like, how do I love God and how do I love my neighbor? So you can see, I mean, we're talking about really high level thinking here that brings us up out of the weeds of colors of, you know, red or blue or left and right and those types of things, right? Like God is calling us to something higher than that. But there is ways that that plays out into the practical level as well when we're talking about God's sovereignty, our identity, and the mission. And so, Larry, you've got a few things with regards to that. 
Yeah. You know, I think sometimes about the fact that we're salt and light, you know, and um, each person has different talents and skills and actually spiritual gifts that they use within the church um, to make a difference. Um, God hasn't called us to be kind of like on the sideline. I think, you know, the Amish, they go hide, right? And then you have some people that are, some churches and denominations that are, they're just trying to be like the culture, you know, and then some that are radically against the culture. You have all these positions. And I think we're called to something much, much higher. I think we're, you know, we talked about uh, worship. We talked about uh, those kinds of things. But I think we're called to be salt and light in a dark world, to speak truth in a place where very little truth exists, um, to use the gifts that God has given us for good within the church and uh, to use our skills and abilities outside, too. Uh, to make a difference in those ways. Um, I think it's important for us to vote. I think it's fine to engage culture. Um, but I think we have to do that from a perspective uh, that, that's a biblical perspective. You know, one of the um, passages in the scripture that uh, always catches my attention, you know how some passages you read them and it's like every time you read it, it's like really fresh and new, is the first part of uh, Acts chapter 1. Uh, the very last thing that Jesus said to the disciples, you know, the disciples are there. Jesus has risen. He spent 40 days. Lots of people have seen him. He's, uh, he's shown that he's the risen Lord, you know, and the disciples are trying to sort all this out. And it's, it's really, really, really raw. And they come to him and they say, um, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and to restore our kingdom? <laughs> you know, that, that's a, you know, three and a half years with Jesus, he rose from the dead, and they're thinking about making Israel a great nation here on earth. You know, are you going to restore our kingdom? And Jesus steps back and he says, ah, yes, it's the Father. He, he controls all those times. It's, he's sovereign, right? Mm-hmm. All those things, the times and season, those are, those are his business. But this is what's going to happen. You're going to be my witnesses. Mm-hmm. You're going to be my ambassadors to truth. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the rest of the world. We're at the rest of the world stage today. But the thing about that passage that uh, always catches my surprise, I guess, uh, in a kind of a good way, is it's not a command. He's not commanding mm-hmm. them to do anything. What he's, what he's saying there, it's, an, it's, it's more of an observation. This is what's going to happen next, okay? And what's going to happen, you know, people who are walking with God and they see a dark world, and their, li- their lives start to be aligned with the heart of God, well, um, they start to do the things that matter most to God, um, helping others uh, to know truth, to know, to know him. Um, the next part of that passage is kind of interesting. You know, the, uh, Jesus ascends, right? And the disciples are watching this happen. They're called, you know, apostles now. And they're, they're watching Jesus ascend, and they're looking up into the clouds, and angels occur. You know, they, they show up, and they say, Hey, men of uh, men and women of Finley. I mean, of uh, Galilee. <laughs> well, what are you doing? And they're like, they're looking up. We right? didn't know he could fly. <laughs> yeah. 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 And 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 he says, you know, Jesus is going to come back the same way he came. And when I think about those words, you know, what are you doing, sitting there looking up? You know, I know people that are angry. You know, Jesus is coming back, and they're angry about this, and they're angry about that, and and they're political and all this stuff. And it's like, the, Jesus didn't come to overthrow Rome and to make mm-hmm. this world a better place. That's not, that's not the point he came. He came uh, to dispense truth and hope, the things that are eternal. Every soul of every person we know is eternal, yes. you know? 
That's a that's a that's an ominous thought in my mind, and uh, and the and the the whole issue here is on action. Why are you standing around, men of Galilee? Um, he's taught us. He's shown us. He's let us know what it is that he he wants us to do. I think about this: if if we could convince every single person in the world to agree with us on all points, everybody in the world would agree with me. Wouldn't that be a great world? <laughs> you know. And it's like sometimes that seems to be the dialogue that's out there. Who's and people, the god of that world? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, it's like people. Yeah, it's like maybe maybe what God is trying to to say to us is to lift our focus, lift our eyes to something that matters deeply, to something that's eternal, to something that will last, something that will last forever. Um, the Bible should be our guide. You know, as we study the scriptures and we understand the character of God, and He changes our hearts. Um, we'll know what to do with our time and our talents and our and our gifts. Yeah, you know, you said something there that that uh, I was thinking the same way. Uh, Jesus says, "You will." He, it's not a command like, "Hey, go be my witnesses." He says, "You will be." Yeah. And so it's like, as the gospel changes you, people will witness me. So I think that that influence and that like, there's no greater impact that that followers of Christ will have on the world than to be changed by God. Because what comes out is different. You know, your life's not the same after Jesus as it was before Jesus. I sense that for some of us, we've, we've bought into the fallacy mm-hmm. that the political battlefield is the most important and most urgent battlefield we can engage in. It's not true. Do you know the most important and urgent battlefield you'll ever engage in? The heart. The heart. Like, think about this. Like, let's let's say, let's say you take Larry's point. You get you 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 win. All right, your side wins. Every everybody bows down to whatever your view is of politics and how a government and a nation should run. Let's imagine that that happens. Now what? Then what? You you still have millions. Right? In America alone, whose hearts are far from God, now they're just living under your tyranny instead of you living under their tyranny. That's what's taking place. So, so what is the biblical approach to politics? I think we, I want to come back to this higher stuff. It's remembering that God is sovereign over everything. Do you realize that this is a, the same God who put Joseph in charge of Egypt is the same God who intentionally put the Hebrews under Pharaoh? After Joseph died, under that hardship, under that challenge, why? Because he was going to display his glory and his power. The same God who entered into our world in flesh is the same God who sovereignly chose that his son would die at the hands of his creation. Why? So he could display his glory and his power. You see, a lot of times we look and we go, man, things are bad, they're tough, they're rough, and we've got we to stop them. And, and maybe we should, but also I'm also saying, what if right now God is doing something through that to draw hearts and minds to him? And so we're actually opposing him. So remembering that God is sovereign, remembering that the primary, I want you to hear this, remembering that the primary mission of the church and every single born again believer is loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. That is our primary mission over anything. 
Um, I'm in James personally in my own reading time, and uh, as I was thinking about this message, I came across James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, and it says this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Mm -hmm. Let me read that again. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And if that wasn't enough for the Lord to slap me in the face, you can read on to verse 26 in that same chapter where it says this, that those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Verse 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Here's what he's saying. The, the religion that God is inviting us into is to serve the people around us and to walk as closely with the Lord in holiness as we possibly can, being transformed in, along the way. Here's why we needed to talk about this now. When our church family moves to County Road 99, I can tell you what's going to happen. God is going to draw more people to our church family. And by the way, many of those people will not think like you. They will not vote like you. They will not have political ideologies like you. They will not have lifestyles that match yours. And so, what will you do, right? Like I, what I think for what my prayer and my hope is for our church is that every single person who walks through the doors of Lighthouse Community would be welcome to discover the God of the Bible. Amen. Irrespective of their background, irrespective of their lifestyle and their choices. And we're not putting them in leadership, <laughs> right? But of any place that they need to be, they need to be, they need to be here. They need to be with this family who points them to hope in Jesus, who loves them well, no matter what their background has been. Because quite frankly, had you met me before I met Jesus, you might not have liked me. You might not have liked some of the lifestyle decisions and the perspectives that I had. But thankfully, there was a family who just loved me and pointed me to hope in Jesus Christ and he transformed me. You, you have to know that our hope is not in any political party. By the way, some of them are just using you. You need to know that. They're just using you. Your hope is not in a political party. Your hope is not in a certain issue being passed and another issue being uh, shot down. Your hope is in not in any political figure. Our hope is in Jesus Christ alone because we are saved by grace alone through faith alone. That is our hope. And that's what we share. That's, that's what we're loudest and most passionate about and, and worshiping about. And so my prayer and my hope is that we would be known as a people who would love the unlovable. That we would be known as a church who would serve the despicable. Mm -hmm. That we would be a church who, is, who would humble ourselves for the chance to share the gospel with hardened and blind hearts who are still spiritually dead. That's my prayer. 
My prayer is that we would be known by our love, our love for God and our love for others. And so my question to this family and and to myself as well is this, how is God inviting you to trust him in 2024? How is God inviting you to trust him in 2024, especially through 2024? For some of us, just to throw out an idea, for some of us, it actually might be repenting from putting too much hope in politics. That actually might be something God's inviting you to do. God might be inviting you to decide right now that I'm going to spend more time being discipled by Jesus in 2024 than by anybody else. God might be inviting you to realize that he is sovereign and that actually sometimes the sovereign God uses difficulties and challenges to draw us to himself. Actually, he does many times. Maybe God is inviting you to ask the Holy Spirit to empower you to love people who are very, very different from you and to see how God would use that. How is God inviting you to trust him, especially through 2024? I think this is the biblical approach to politics. And I recognize that for some of you, you're going, well, you didn't talk about this, and you didn't talk about that, and you didn't say this buzzword, and you didn't confirm that you stand on this side of that thing. I can't trust you. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) But you can trust our God. And my hope would be that you would go to him because we approach politics the same way we approach anything else, walking with the Lord. I want to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes. And as we do every Sunday, to just ask the Lord, Jesus, what are you saying to me through this message? And I just want you to listen to him for a moment. As you're listening to him, I just want you to let, like, invite the Holy Spirit to, to lead you to places that maybe you've been afraid to let him challenge assumptions or ideas or philosophies. Just listen to him for a moment. I get that for some of us, what we've invited you into is actually to abandon some very deeply held ideals that have been ingrained in you, perhaps for your entire life. But that is what transformation to the gospel is. It's actually releasing our grip on the world and embracing our Father in heaven. This is exactly what it is. And so, God, we've talked about a lot. We've, we've probably raised more questions than we have answered. And, and perhaps that's the right place to be. And my prayer is that we would run to you to have you answer those questions. I I pray that we would begin to see with clarity that the world is playing us. (laughs) The world is playing us, trying to keep us tuned in to a channel so that advertisement can be sold. That 
that websites are playing us to track down conspiracy theories so we'll spend more time on their sites that they can sell more advertising and make money. But there's many political figures who are playing us so they can increase their power and their money and their influence. It's amazing how all of these things just, Lord, keep drawing us back to the source, which is pride, which desires power and desires control, which is the one thing that you have all of it. (laughs) Bring us to a place of faith to trust you in every single circumstance, not to throw our hands up in frustration, not to war with human anger, but to cling to the character of God and to let the spirit lead us moment by moment. Not only as citizens of this country, but more importantly, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We want to pray for you. So let me tell you what's going to happen. The band's going to come up. They're going to lead us in just one more song. While they're coming up, we're going to have prayer leaders. I'm going to ask those prayer leaders if they will head to uh, their locations, the corners of the room. We'll have one prayer leader in each corner, uh, one over here by the cross, one by the sign, one back by the double doors, and one by the sound booth. And so if you'll head there now, we'll let people know that you're ready to receive them in prayer. And so maybe this morning, your prayer is you're just going, I I need clarity. I need wisdom. I need guidance from the Holy Spirit and from Scripture on, on what do I do? How do I walk through? Or maybe you're going, man, I'm just angry because you brought up a topic that I'm angry about and and I need prayer for that. Maybe it's something that has nothing to do with politics because you've got something else going on in your life. We'd love to pray with you about that as well, about anything at all. And please don't ever be embarrassed to want to receive prayer. Every single one of us needs prayer. We all need, I need prayer. You need prayer. And so don't withhold this blessing from you this morning. So uh, those who are in the house, I'm going to ask you to stand as we prepare to worship, and I'm going to pray for you, and I want to invite you to come as well. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every single person who needs prayer right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.